I want to welcome you to Relevant Faith Church. My name is Mike Womer. I am the lead pastor here at Relevant Faith, and we are excited that you have joined us this morning. So we've been in a series uh, called Giants, and basically the premise of this series is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one, the Bible says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. It trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So life is not a 40-yard dash race. In fact, it is is likened much more to a marathon where you pace yourself and there's so many different stages, so many different things you go through in life. And based on this passage of scripture, this huge crowd of of witnesses that we see in scripture is, is really referencing, and you can find this later on in the scripture, is referencing the giants of faith that have gone before us. So if you imagine a heavenly picture of people rooting you on and cheering you on as you're running this race called life, those are the people in the lives where preaching about throughout the summer. Um, We have been having a great time getting through these. They're on um, every week except for uh, week two is on online. They'll all be online as well if you did if you missed one. But today we are talking about a gentleman named Joseph. Joseph has is got so much to teach us and so the, the question that I would ask is, if Joseph could step out of this crowd of witnesses that he is in heaven, one of these cheering us on, if he could step out of these crowd of witnesses, what would he say to us today? That's the idea behind this series. And so I think and feel like one of the things that he would say to us today, when it's the title of our thoughts, my thoughts today is, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. I think if there's one phrase he would say, he would say that. Now, a little bit of backstory of Joseph's life. Joseph went from this privileged son to the pit of slavery and then ultimately into the palace of Egypt. And that's a very condensed version of his life and his story. And we're going to get into it a little bit deeper as we go. But I, one of the things I have come to realize in my life personally, but even in the life of every believer, is dreams are conceived long before they are actually ever achieved. Something is born in you, the dream is born in you, oftentimes long before it ever comes to pass and long before it ever actually happens. And the period of time between its birth and its realization is this process, this thing we called life, this journey we call life. And so oftentimes you're going to be faced, and especially while you're pursuing a dream, to either give up or to go on. And I think there's many of us who have already given up on some of the dreams that that we've had in our lives because we either think, oh, well, it's um, it's too late, or I'm too old, or I've screwed this up too much, or you don't understand how messed up my life and the decisions and choices that I've made are. They kind of disqualify me. And so to just really stop that thought process really quickly. Let me just say that I'm the last person that anybody in my life would ever expect to be standing up here and teaching these concepts of life. Because when, when my friends that I grew up with found out that I was a pastor, most of them found out on Facebook, when they find this out, they put you, pastor, question mark? Are you serious right now? Okay, so I promise you, I come from a very, very sordid background of making a crap ton is what I'm going to use. Okay, that's the phrase I'm going to use because I've made a crap ton of mistakes in my life. 
But I, I, one of the things that I've realized is that the mistakes that I've made and the challenges I've faced, they've never disqualified me from the dreams that God has given me. Even before I knew they were God-given dreams, I had these things inside of me. And so for when life isn't turning out the way we planned, my thought again for you this morning is don't give up on your dreams. All right, at 17 years old, uh, the family got called together to share something, and it's found in Genesis chapter 37. And this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse number, starting in verse number 5. We're going to read 5 and 7, and then we're going to jump down to 19 and 20 as we continue this. So the Bible says, One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Anybody ever tell someone your dream that they just kind of look at you like, man, you're a jerk? Whatever, you're not good enough for that. And then it goes on and says, listen to his dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Let's just stop there for just a second. How many of us, can, if you think about this, if you have brothers and sisters or in whatever your family looks like, if, if, if you were one of the brothers that was standing there listening to this story and they said, my bundle of wheat is going to stand and yours are all going to bow down to mine, what would you think? You'd be like, well, who do you think you are? For real? Whatever. I'm not bowing to you ever, right? So this was his dream. And so then jumping down to verse number 19, here's their response as he was coming back into their presence. They say, oh, here comes the dreamer, they said. And then it, get, it gets real serious. Right there, it's kind of a little patronizing, right? Oh, here comes the dreamer. Then it gets real serious because in verse 20, he says, come on, let's kill him. <laughs> See, that's likely, I mean, think about it. If you're going to be honest and real right now, this is what we like to be here at Relevant Faith Church. If you're going to be honest, you're going to be real. If I know my sister, she come up to me and say, you know what? My bundle was standing, your bundle was bowing. I'd be like, Poof. I will bust you in your mouth. I ain't bowing to you. I don't like my sister that much to do anything like that, right? Is that too real? I'm sorry. It says, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. You know, Joseph had this dream and then felt the comfort of, with his family to share this dream that would ultimately lead to them wanting to kill him. Now, if you, go, if you know the story, you can realize that later on they realize, man, maybe killing him is probably not the best solution. So we'll just sell him into slavery because, you know, the thought process is eventually if we just sell him to be a slave to someone, he'll probably die anyway. So they did throw him in a pit and say, you're going to live in this pit until the animals, because they figured you know, he'll starve to death or wild animals, like they said, will come and eat his body. And as they were doing it, along comes a group of folks, and they say, oh, you know what? Let's sell them. Rather than kill them, we can just sell them, make a little bit of money off of this fool. And so they sell them into slavery. And so there's some things you have to understand that we, I want you to understand about Joseph as it relates to your life, your walk in faith, and your dreams and these are found in the note sheet that I gave you. You can fill in, follow along and fill in the blanks if you like. You can doodle on them if you're bored, whatever you like. 
But here's what I want you to gather, and here's what I want you to understand from Joseph's story is number one, don't give up on your dream, even if you don't, if you didn't start well. How many know life is not about the start, but it's about the finish? A race, a marathon is not about the start, it's about the finish. The goal is to finish well. This has been a mantra in my home all the time as we near the end of the se- end of a athletic season or we near the end of school. It's always finish well. Don't just coast, but finish well. And it's a difficult thing to finish well because we see the end in sight and we think, oh, okay, I can kind of coast now across the finish line because I at least can see it, right? But the goal is to finish well. You know, sometimes... It's a long time from the birth of a dream to the reality of that dream. Sometimes it's a very long time. And I don't think of very many of my starts and personally started off well. Matter of fact, I don't, if I, if I really sit down and think about the ways I've started different things in my life, I, I don't recall ever starting well. I think I fumbled my way. I tripped up a few things on my way. I mean, even like my salvation, my giving my life to Christ, you know, I got this on fire passion and burden for Jesus and I would serve him and I would worship and, and I would all these things and man, but real quickly I could get angry and drop the F-bomb on someone or offense. Anything I was doing, if I was frustrated, I could drop the F-bomb on it real quick, even after I gave my life to Christ or I, I, I struggled to, to quit smoking and, and get rid of that portion of my life. And so it, there's, this, there's this great challenge that, that I have faced in starting, even in ministry. You know, God called me into ministry, and it just didn't start well. I said, no, thank you. I like my life the way it is. I don't need that ministry thing. I'm good. Or even as a father with my kids, didn't necessarily start so well. Some mistakes I made early on, and I'm so thankful for the grace of God My marriage, that didn't start so well either. The greatest day of our marriage was the day we said, I do. And then the rest was like, why? Why did we do this? And almost more than 19 years later, almost a little over 20 years together, it's like, hey, we're still surviving this thing. And there were definitely some times when we thrived and sometimes when we barely survived. But there's this, idea of starting well that says, man, if we don't start well, it's not working out. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, it looks like our system went down out there. So if it says on, it isn't on the screen, I apologize. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Paul didn't really start off so well. He had some issues along the path, and he definitely did not start well, but he finished very, very well. So even if you don't start well, don't give up on your dream. Number two, even if your family doesn't understand it, don't give up on your dream. 
Even if your family doesn't understand it, and that can be a little bit more challenging because we oftentimes look to our family for acceptance and for approval and for, and for all agreement and all the things that we want from them. We often look to them, and, 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 and sometimes they're not really all that in agreement with what you're going to do. You know, when, when I picked up my family and moved them from Baltimore, Maryland, which is where my entire family was, to Laredo, Texas, 25-hour drive away, and my family didn't really understand it. They had some issues with it. Why can't you just do that here? Valid question for someone who doesn't understand what God's called them to do. And so sometimes our family doesn't. And if you look at Joseph's family, Joseph's family didn't understand. They're like, we, we don't understand this so much that we're going to make this man disappear. Because we, what, what, when, we are, when we don't understand something, we are usually fearful of what we don't understand. Hence the reason why so many people have a challenge with faith. Because it's not something that they can logically grasp and say, hey, there's this Jesus who loves me and died for me, but yet I cannot see him. Yeah, I don't know about that. Not quite sure about that. And so since we don't understand, we have this fear. Or maybe it is even this this mysterious person we speak of when we speak of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And we're like, yeah, I definitely don't understand that. So out of a lack of understanding, we're just going to say, eh, no thank you. So even when we don't understand something, we have this fear of it. Even Jesus wasn't accepted in his own hometown. They look at him and say, isn't that Mary and Joseph's boy? He's, Joseph, he's just, a, he's just a carpenter and he's from Nazareth and there's nothing never good come from Nazareth. And he could do no miracles. The Bible says he could do no miracles in his town. There was a lack of understanding that would cause people to just completely dismiss. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, the Bible says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. That's one of the, I love that when I think about my dreams and think about all that I pursue for God's glory, I think about this passage and think everything I've sacrificed, I'm going to benefit eventually from. Even like to the point that we just talked about, the very first announcement was the sacrificing of my sleep in the morning to grow in my faith with God. Because let's just be honest, let's just be real. When it comes to our, our commitment and dedication to devoting time to God, we fail miserably. We start off well sometimes, especially like New Year's, you make a new covenant, I'm going to do this, New Year's resolutions, you know, those things that are dead by week three. Or we started, oh, the church started this brand new thing, we're going to jump in and we're going to do this devotional on the Bible app together and it's going to be awesome. And, and then you look in first day and like 10 or 12 people did it, it's like awesome, but by day eight, we're down to three or four. We fail miserably at that, which is why we as a church put things in place to help with that, and the sleep that you would sacrifice in coming to, to open up God's word and get deeper with God's word will, like, according to scripture, will return and it return a hundred times. See, this is the mentality and the perspective we have to have when it comes to our dreams is whatever we've sacrificed to attain what God has called us to, it will be returned to us. So the next part of Joseph's story is interesting because Joseph's story, he was put into a pit and then sold as a slave. Think about that. If you, if, you, if you were put into a pit and sold as a slave, it could kind of get a little easy to give up on that, that dream that God gave you. 
So never give up on your dreams, even if your journey is full of painful moments. Even if your journey is full of painful moments. I'll move through some of these points a little slower so you can write them down since they're not up on the screen right now. Even if your journey is full of painful moments. I mean, think about Joseph. He had to be thinking, this is what the dream, this is not what the dream looked like. Like what I saw wasn't this pit. It wasn't this slavery. It wasn't this hatred. This isn't what the dream looked like. It can't possibly be what God intended. And here's the challenge. Herein lies the challenge. As you're walking through life and you're saying to yourself, this doesn't look like, I don't think this is how God intended for this to look. The challenge with that thought process is very simply, we don't know what God's intention is. Except that he intends for good things to happen to us, regardless of what we go through. We know that because that's what the Bible says. We'll get to that in just a second. But we have this vision and this idea of what life should look like. And when it derails, we think, well, we must not be doing what God's called us to do because it doesn't look like I think it should look. And then what we do is we effectively place ourselves above God by saying, God, you called me to this but it doesn't look like you've, what, what I envisioned it to be. So I'm going to just kind of take the reins of this for a little while and, and get it back on, on path. That way you can then come back into it and make it what I think it's supposed to be. There's so much wrong with that thought process, but that's exactly how we navigate life. And so this can't possibly, and we start to think, did I miss something? Did I do something wrong? See, I believe dreams have these critical intersections. Joseph was faced with a dilemma. Do I give up or do I go on? He was misunderstood by his family. That's a good reason to give up. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Should he give up then? He's living in a strange country so far from home. Maybe he should give up at that point. And then as we get into the story... I don't have time to really dive deep into this story, but he goes on to, to earn the favor of Potiphar, who was the king and in, in charge of the land at that time. And so here, he, if he gives up when he's misunderstood, if he gives up when he's sold into slavery, if he gives up when he finds himself in a strange land that he doesn't know anybody or understand anything, and if, if he gives up when he finds himself in these positions of slavery and bondage, he would miss out on the favor that Potiphar, the king, gave him. But then, of course, it doesn't. You think, oh, well, the story is trending up, and now we're going to be good. But actually, it takes a nosedive because he becomes falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Oh, crap, maybe I should give up then. Then he's thrown into prison, thrown into jail. Oh, crap, I'm stuck in prison now. I might as well give up now. Then all of a sudden, he's put in charge of all the prisoners, you see, there's, there's this ebb and flow to life. It's up and down. It's like a roller coaster. If you don't like roller coasters, then you're not going to like life because that's what it does. It's up, it's down, it's left, it's right, it's spinning sometimes seemingly out of control. I love roller coasters. I think that's why my life has looked like a roller coaster, seemingly spinning out of control more times than not, but I'm just like grabbing a hold and screaming, come on got issues I know so then he, he employs this butler he says make sure you tell the master about me when the butler is freed and he goes and, and the butler forgets about him that even existed he's in prison for two more years 
And God gives him a way to interpret the dream of the king. And here comes the favor again. And he becomes second in command of the entire land. If you study Joseph's life, you're going to find out that he had twice as many reasons to give up than he had to go on. Now, if you're being honest and being real, how many of us have twice, twice as many reasons to give up than to go on? That's real. There are twice as more, there's two times more, if not three times more reasons in my life to give up what God's called me to do than to go on. But there's so much to come in going on. He had one assurance that entire time. God was with him every step of the way. You have the same assurance today. God is with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it is a popularly quoted scripture, especially in the charismatic church, and they do it all kinds of backwards and wrong, so I'm going to hopefully write some of that today. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good. Work together for the good. This is where people stop. Well, God's causing it to work for your good. You may not get to experience that God causing it to work for your good because there's a piece of that missing for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There's two parts of that passage of scripture. He's working it out for your good, there's no doubt. But if you don't love him and acknowledge his call, you'll never see the good that he's working it out to be. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's facts. That's biblical truth that if you are not going to love God, serve God, embrace him in a way that gives him first place in your life, you will very often miss out on the good that he's doing in those times. And it's already hard to see good in the middle of pain. So difficult to see it. Now Joseph's 40 years old and still no dream fulfilled. Did you check? Did you catch that? He was a teenager when he was given the dream. He's now 40 and still no dream fulfilled. There's this famine that sweeps across Egypt. And it brings his brothers to the king begging for food. And now all of his brothers would bow down before him, just as he saw in his dream. Never give up on your dreams. Number four in our last point before we make this a very race through the practical part of this is even if it takes a long time to see it come to pass, never give up on your dreams, even if it takes a long time to see it come to pass. That's a long one, so I'll say it a third time. Even if it takes a long time to see it come to pass, you've got to hang in there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 and 37, the Bible says, Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that, has been, that he has promised. Verse 37, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Patient endurance is what it takes to win a race. And the race of life winning is important. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. That's the word of God. It may be slow in our time but it's definitely not delayed in his time. Matter of fact, the Living Bible says it like this. I love the way the Living Bible says this passage of Scripture. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. 
Can we just acknowledge that real quick, that these things don't happen right away? This ain't McDonald's. This ain't Burger King. This isn't your way right away. This isn't in and out in five minutes. This, is, this thing takes some time. It goes on slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. And then it gives the, oh, the worst word that you could possibly imagine in all of the human language. Just be patient. Yeah, I know that's an ugly word for a lot of us. Patient. I got no patience. They will not be overdue a single day. I love that. I love that version. Just be patient. It will happen. Slow and steady. It's kind of the race between the turtle and the tortoise, right? They're both the same thing. The turtle and the rabbit. My bad. I caught it. They caught, they caught it. They were just not judging me for the first time. The turtle and the rabbit, right? The rabbit just sprints ahead and then gets distracted. That's why they call it a rabbit hole. They have holes too. They dig holes in grounds. But you just get distracted and you come off here with a turtle just steady, slow and steady, wins the race. He just stays focused, stays on task. The rabbit's 10 times faster and they think they're getting there faster, but the reality is they get so distracted they're not getting there at all. That's the, that's the race of life. Just slow and steady wins the race. And patience is what will ultimately win. So if you have no patience and you continue to confess that you have no patience and you refuse to have any patience, you might lose at life. That's a bad thing to lose at. So how do we make this practical? Joseph's, these, these are what I'm calling Joseph's words of encouragement. Let's, I like to always bring it to a practicality and how can you apply it to your life this week. And so this is how you would apply this this week. Here's the words of encouragement. Number one, focus on what happens in you and not to you. Focus on what's happening in you and not to you. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to godly people. But those who believe the dream that God has given them, take bad things and turn them into good things. The whole adage, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's reality. Bad things are going to come your way. What do you do with them? You cannot control what happens around you, but you can control what happens in you. If you get offended, you can take that offense and let it root up and become bitterness. And then what happens? Nothing good. I don't like a bitter lemonade. I like a sweet lemonade. Something that's put together and nurtured well that like, oh, when it comes out, it's like, oh man, that, if I take the lemon, just squeeze it into my mouth, I'm going to, mm. but man, when you add some water and some sugar to it, it becomes, ooh, ooh come on, Chick-fil-A lemonade. Y'all laughing at me. It's not advertising. I just crack. I'm addicted. It's the stuff. It's the stuff that diabetes is made of. There's my rabbit trail. See, I'm the rabbit. (laughs) 
So you have to develop yourself during these down times. That's what happens. We develop ourselves during down times. You don't really fall that much. We think we fall harder and farther than we actually do. But here's the, qu- here's the thing. So when you do fall down, let me help you out and understand something. While you're down there, clean the floor. You're going to fall down anyway, so while you're down there, you might as well clean the floor. What do I mean by that? Clean yourself up a little bit. We always have this thing, oh, woe is me. This happened to me. I'm such a good person. Why do bad things happen to me? I'm so, d- d- we're not all good people. Jesus himself said, why you call me good? And there's no one good but the Father. So if Jesus ain't good, let me help you out. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of, any, of many kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. James, you're a fool. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's the whole point of troubles. You don't take joy in the trouble. You take joy in the growth that's coming from the trouble. How many of you like, how many of you like walking around your house barefooted on a dirty floor? Only to come back and say, man, my feet are filthy. When you fall down, clean the floor. Because when you get up, now you got something to walk on. Some of you are going to miss that analogy, and it's okay. So focus on what happens in you, not what happens to you. Because your response, the next, the next practical part of this, your response to offense will determine your future. Let me say that again. Your response... To offense will determine your future. Let me help you out. Don't carry that weight because you need, to, you need to travel light because resentment slows down the dream. Bitterness will bring it to a complete halt in your life. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 and 21 perhaps one of my favorite passages of scriptures, the end of the account of the book of Genesis and creation says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all, all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This is the rest of the story, right? Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. When you deal with some of these issues, sometimes you have to speak to these things. And if you think that's weird, I'm sorry. But there are times when I've gone into my life, my time of prayer, faced with some kind of challenge, struggle, issue. Some of them I brought on myself. Others were things that were done to me. And this is how I approached them. Uh Uh-huh. You intended to harm me, but let me tell you what my God intends. My God intends to use this for my good. Even when I am facing some kind of pain I never felt before, yep, God intended for my good. Even if I can't even see the good, I'm still speaking that God intended it for my good. Because the way you speak to yourself and the way you verbalize what's going on in your life will absolutely determine the direction of your life. You can't walk around, woe is me, my life sucks, and expect for God's dream to happen and take place in your life. It doesn't work that way. It's how you speak into your situation, how you speak to yourself, and what verbally comes out of your mouth is just as important as anything else in this journey of life. Sometimes you just got to tell the devil, yes, he's real. Yes, he's trying to trip you up. You just got to tell him, not today. Ain't nobody got time for that. 
Job chapter 21, verses 23 and 25, the Bible says, one person dies in prosperity, completely comfortable and secure. The picture of good health, vigorous and fit. Another person dies in bitter poverty, never having tasted the good life. What's the difference between the two? The way they speak, the way they think, the way they believe about their situation. The last practical point that I'm going to make right now, I'm going to ask Devin to come up and just play behind me. The last practical point I'm going to make right now is very simply, every dream has challenges. Never forget, never forget, God is always with you. Every dream has challenges. Never forget, God is always with you. When you're down to nothing, you have to trust and know that God is always up to something. That's life. That's life. We fall down. And you got to know that while you're down, God's up to something. Psalm chapter 139, verses 8 through 10. This is the greatest, I think, one of the greatest descriptions of God being with you that I've ever heard. It says, if you go up to heaven, if I go up to heaven, there you are. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He covered as high as you can be, as low as it gets on earth. He covered the furthest, the wings of the morning and the, and the furthest oceans. He covered you east and west. He's got you covered north. He's got you covered south. He's got you covered east. He's got you covered west. The bottom line, he is always with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like you're, you're walking and you're like, where are you at, Jesus? I'm taking steps and I don't know what's going on or where you are. But I'm telling you, he says he sticks closer than a brother will stick and that he will never leave you or forsake you. This is the king that God sent our way to bring us into salvation with him and then ultimately lead us and guide us into everything that was true so that every dream that he has given you would be fulfilled in his time. That's who's walking with you. That's who's oftentimes carrying you when you're too tired to walk yourself. Never give up on the things that God has placed in you.